Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we hear from Herb Zerkowski of the Montreal Gazette on what the heck is going on with the Montreal Alouettes ownership situation, how that's hamstringing Danny Machocha in free agency. And also, Andrew Hustler Patterson joins us to talk about how he's feeling heading into the Super Bowl. He's a big cheese fan and he's going to Vegas. Should be a lot of fun on the podcast. We continue our tour of CFL markets as we get set for free agency starting next week. And we're joined by Herb Zerkowski with the Montreal Gazette. And big news today, Herb, that uh, Farhan Lawsry reporting Cody Fajardo has agreed to terms with the Alouettes. Does that solve all their problems? Well, until uh, it is uh, come Tuesday, I am taking everything with a grain of salt because I've been told that uh, management's hands are tied. Um, look, will it, uh, they need a quarterback. There's, there's no doubt about that. It certainly appears as though Trevor Harris is off to Saskatchewan. So they do need a quarterback. Uh, Cody Fajardo has worked with Jason Moss. So that's uh, something good. Um, he's younger than Trevor Harris. That's potentially something good. And after the way things ended in Saskatchewan last season, I dare say that, that Mr. Fajardo might have something to prove. And that could be something good. So looking at the ownership situation... Uh, you know, I'm to interrupt, but until you, Tuesday comes, I, I'm not uh, putting much stock into anything because uh, the ownership is in such a state of flux here. Yeah, let's get into that because that, that really is the, the cloud that hangs over everything for Montreal, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's why they've, they've been sitting by pretty, pretty much idly watching, watching one guy after another agree to principle with, with other teams. So what is for those in Winnipeg that haven't been keeping up with the, the goings on in the ownership saga for this team, what is the latest? Well, I wish I, I knew what the latest was. Uh, the commissioner of the CFL has uh, repeatedly uh, refused to return uh, any of my messages. I can't get anyone from the CFL to talk to me. Um, but look, it, 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 it's it's a mess here. Uh, it's a mess here because uh, it's been a mess since the majority owner, Sid Spiegel, died in the summer of, of 2021. And you're basically left with two lawyers who control the estate who remain anonymous and a minority owner in, in Gary Stern, who has 25 percent and from time to time on social media talks a big game, talks like a guy who has 100 percent of the team when he does not. So when you're Gary Stern and you only have 25 percent, what can you actually do? Well, you can't do much unless you convince the estate that uh, things have to be done, and that's probably why the team doesn't have a president right now. And so until that gets sorted out, they're going to be, I I don't know, I don't want to call them a doormat franchise, but there's a potential here that Montreal is going to not be able to compete come free agent period, which the tampering window is already open, and we've had very few reports of anyone be tied yeah. to the Alouettes. 
Absolutely. I mean, I've suggested to some people that, that it looks like a last place team and, and uh, uh, no one has disputed that claim um, to people that I talk to in the CFL. Um, now, maybe, you know, it's quite possible that, that Danny Machocha, the GM, has, has somehow uh, gotten through to somebody at the estate and said, like, look, um, this is a, these are impossible conditions with which you, you've left me. Um, I'm losing one player after another after another. I have, I'm potentially going to have no quarterback. I'm going to have most of the receivers are going to be gone. Um, if if the estate and Stern are, are trying to to sell the team, and there's there's no doubt there are talks going on behind the scenes. There are there are interested parties uh, still uh, yet to be named uh, in 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 this market in this area, who I have no doubt would would have interest in purchasing the team, but. Um, what are they buying? If you have no, you know, if if all of your players are being pillaged, uh, you're not going to get anything for the for the team when you do eventually sell it. And it is my belief. Look, it, it makes no sense for for Sid Spiegel's kids, children who are not in Montreal, to hold on to this franchise. They they they, they get nothing, absolutely nothing out of it except seeing their inheritance dwindling every two weeks or every week when the checks go out to whatever checks are going out at this time of year to employees. This is a team that doesn't make money. So why would people who have no connection to Montreal hold on to it? Is it tough to project what the team can do in free agency because of all this? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I am being told, that, again, that, that uh, Danny Machocha's hands are tied. So even the the speculation of a Cody Fajardo, which, look, it makes sense. He's not going back to Saskatchewan. That's obvious. Uh, I, I've written before that, that this could well just be, without it being a Harris for Fajardo trade, it, it's going to be a trade in which the two of them change teams. So... Yeah, unless um, unless they, you know, somehow Machocha has gotten through to somebody that, you know, you got to relax these conditions a little bit. I have to be able to to, to sign some players, or or we're going to be stripped bare here. Um, so even that would surprise me. Seen reports too tonight that Eugene Lewis is going to be going to Edmonton. Uh, that from far not what I've been. That's not what I've been told. Okay, that's from uh, that was far in Lalji's reporting, but that's, that's not, uh, not what confirmed. I've been told. Okay, what have you been told? I'm just going to say that's not what okay. I've been told. I, I don't deal in rumors. Okay, that's fair. No, that's that's totally fair. So we uh, still though that's that's a player that has made it publicly clear that negotiations with the team were not going well. Did he not tweet out that he was going to be a free agent? Oh no, no. I have no doubt that that um, Eugene Lewis was was going to get to February the fourteenth, um, and and test the market. He is finally in a position where he can command a very lucrative uh, contract offer. It it would it would be 
I mean, it behooves him to at least see what's out there. Uh, certainly, I, if I was representing him, that's, you know, you, you waited a long time for this. You're almost 30 years old. So I don't begrudge him that. Um, but he has always said, too, that he would, he would, he, he's, I mean, he has an allegiance to this franchise. He lives in this city year round. Uh, he always has told Machocha that he would give him the opportunity to match the offer. But again, if 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 the purse strings are not loosened, it's going to be tough for, for Machocha to do that. How frustrating must it be for him seeing the last couple of years uh, they get to the what, East Final for the first time since 2014. They keep up pretty close with the Argos. They only lose by touchdown to the eventual Grey Cup champs. Yeah. And then it feels like it could all just go away, right? Just like this, and all of a sudden, maybe they're looking at a four and fourteen season. He's absolutely devastated. I, I can I can tell you that. I have no doubt about that. Um, you 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 have built something up. He has worked two three years on this, um, and he has finally built it up to to uh, a respectable franchise. I, I wouldn't call them a strong strong team, but they're certainly respectable. They they were competitive, and and. Uh, I mean, you're you're just watching everything. It's a terrible analogy, but you could almost say it, you're watching everything go up in smoke. You're, you're you're losing all of your valuable possessions, and and you almost have to like all his work. Pretty much has been for naught now. Um, if if things play out the way it appears that they will, and and you have to start basically from from square one all over again and 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 it's it's a very very um difficult position he's been put in i i, I don't uh, i don't envy i envy i don't envy him for a minute because um like i just don't know where you go from here and 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 if you're not if if the team is eventually sold uh, but but let's say that it's not done until until March or whatever or the beginning of March. Let's say for argument's sake, what what are you going to be left with? Um, it, it's like you know, it's almost been like a fire sale at that point. All all you're going into a department store and all the good clothing has been picked over, and you're left with with the scraps that that nobody else wants. This is a team that won ten division titles in fourteen years. None since 2012. What do the Alouettes mean to the CFL? Well, I hope they mean something because they've already folded once. Uh, they're in a major market. Uh, it would not look good on the commissioner uh, who's already had the first strike since 1974 on his watch. Uh, I dare say that, that if a team folds under his watch, uh, if I'm if I'm a, another governor, I'm I'm saying like what's going on here? You, you have some explaining to do. So I, you want to think that that the, the three I mean the three major markets give this league some credibility. Now I know people will argue and dispute that because the biggest market Toronto you're getting ten thousand fans a game, which which just looks terrible uh, and it is terrible but 
I think that having Toronto, Montreal, and, and BC in the league, it, it gives it some credibility. But we don't really know where the future is going on this, do we? Do you have any sense of the direction of, of where this is heading in the next weeks and months? I honestly don't. I honestly don't. I, I mean, I, I do. I'm optimistic that the commissioner's silence means that he is, I mean, he has to be working on this. He can't just be sitting idly by. He has to be doing something about it. And I would hope that, that his, his silence as, uh, it means that that he's you know he's working behind the scenes trying to find new owners, but I think the head of any league, any pro sports league, needs to come out and say something about the matter, even if it's just what I just said. Like yes, you know I'm working on it. We're aware we as a league are aware of the situation. Uh, it, it's not a good looking scenario and, and, you know, I'm working on it. And, and when I have more news to report, I'll say something, but you got to say something. And so far we haven't, and we sit and wait and free agency opens Tuesday and we'll get a flood of official transactions from a lot of teams and, not a lot from Montreal. I'm sure they'll have some, but not a lot. Her appreciate this and uh, keep up the good work in Montreal. I wish I could tell you more. If I knew more, I would. Appreciate it. Thanks for this, Herb. Have a good night. Thanks for your time. You too. For the third time in five years, the Kansas City Chiefs are in the Super Bowl. And how are their fans feeling about their odds going into the big game against the Eagles Sunday? Well, Let's check in with one of the biggest Chiefs fans in Winnipeg, Andrew Patterson. You may know him as Hustler, host of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Caught up with him earlier and started by asking him how he's feeling with just three sleeps to go before kickoff. You know what, Christian? I'm I'm cautiously optimistic right now. Um, it's hard not to feel optimistic when you got Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback, but as we all know, the Philadelphia Eagles are a hell of a football team. Uh, but I think after that experience at Arrowhead a couple weeks ago and seeing the way they persevered through a lot of adversity and got a dub over a team that had sort of haunted them for the last couple of seasons. I'm optimistic, but listen, if you're an Eagles fan, I think you got to be feeling pretty good about your squad too, as well. Um, it's just a phenomenal matchup. I think this is going to finish pretty close to a pick on the betting lines and uh, can't wait for kickoff on Sunday afternoon. Take me back to the game you went to the AFC championship game. Where does that rank for you in terms of your all time sports highlights? Uh, it is definitely right up there. It was, uh, I mean, I've had the opportunity to get to Arrowhead, I don't know, maybe 30-odd times, and I was at the AFC Championship game in 2019, I guess, when it was the Chiefs versus the Patriots, the infamous D. Ford offside penalty that ended up costing them the game, and obviously you had Tom Brady and the Pats winning in overtime. So in some ways, it was a little bit of unfinished business. But I have to tell you, just strictly from a fan perspective, the atmosphere at that game was as good as anything I've ever been to. I mean, listen, it honestly is sort of right there with the whiteouts here in Winnipeg. That was the level of excitement and energy in the crowd. And anyone that's been to Arrowhead knows the uh, the tailgating in that building and outside that building a second to none. We were out there about four hours before the game, got the full pregame experience and then went in and um, 
gutted it out because it was about as cold. It felt as cold as the Bomber Rider West final of a couple of years ago. I mean, the wind was brutal. Probably wasn't as cold um, temperature-wise. Uh, but overall, it was just an incredible experience. And it was a hell of a game, a thriller right down to the end. And uh, obviously, if you were cheering for the home team, you left pretty happy with the uh, the way that that ended with that field goal in the final what, eight seconds of the football game. I'm curious your perspective on this run the Chiefs are on right now because there were decades of pretty much nothing for the Chiefs, uh, you know, regular season success, but nothing in the playoffs. And now third time you're going to the Super Bowl in five years, been to the AFC title game all five of those years. Patrick Mahomes is on a, a crazy trajectory. Do you have to make sure you don't take this for granted? Um, well, yes. Absolutely. And I mean, I guess I, I'm lucky enough to have been around for over 20 years watching this team. I remember them picking first overall. I remember, you know, um, you know, Romeo Crennel and Todd Haley and the Scott Pioli era. And, um, you know, honestly, I, I, I thank my lucky stars every day for two guys, Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, and, um, you know, what those two in particular have done, but also what the general manager, Brett Veach, has done has just been incredible. Um, But listen, Mahomes is a transcendent athlete. I think any fan over the course of their lifetime would be lucky to get a game-changer like like, uh, like Mahomes is on their squad. Um, But you make a great point. I mean, it's not supposed to be this way. I know we saw the Patriots do it for – the most incredible run probably in pro football history. Um, but right now, the start to Mahomes' career and the incredible success they've had since he's become the starter is not something to be taken for granted. And, uh, and that's what has made this season so special. I mean, I think a lot of people thought that this would be still a good team, but losing Tyreek Hill, bringing in all those younger players, having to do it now with Mahomes on a very rich second contract as opposed to his rookie year, it was going to be tough. But... Um, Man, they pulled together. There's been so many guys that have contributed. It's a different team doing it a different way, but it's still led by a guy that, um, for my money, is the best player in the National Football League, and he'll have another chance to add to his incredible resume on Sunday afternoon in Glendale. For the Chiefs to win this game, and they are a tiny, tiny underdog, what has to go right? Well, first things first, I think they need to have a defensive performance on par with uh, the one a couple Sundays ago uh, at Arrowhead. Um, Chris Jones was an absolute game-breaker there, getting into the backfield, and I think he is going to need to be the dominant player that we've seen nominated for Defensive Player of the Year, certainly Frank Clark as well. And I think a huge bonus for the Chiefs is getting LeJarrius Sneed back. He's sneakily become one of the top members of the uh, secondary, really in the AFC and the NFL, a great tackler, a big player, and a guy that they're going to need to go up against, A.J. Brown. So the defense is going to have to step up. They're going to have to handle Jalen Hurts in that incredible running attack and at least minimize those big plays on the ground. And then when it comes to the offensive side of things, Patrick Mahomes is going to have to be Patrick Mahomes. I mean, I think you could make the argument – that in most of the positional areas in this football game, that the Philadelphia Eagles have an advantage. I mean, their roster is as deep from 1 to 53 as any in the National Football League. Um, but again, there's a few positions on that field that can make, truly make the difference. Quarterback is going to be it. And um, listen, it's pretty hard to imagine the Chiefs winning without Patrick Mahomes being the MVP. He's going to need an MVP performance. And, um, 
I'm also fascinated with that coaching matchup because, you know, Andy Reid, for all the grief that he's gotten, justifiably so in the past for some of his clock management and whatnot, is a brilliant offensive mind. I think he's saving the best for last. Um, but I'm fascinated to see how Nick Sirianni feels, uh, you know, uh, fares in, you know, a Super Bowl very early in his head coaching career without anywhere close to the experience that um, the big guy with the mustache has on the Chiefs side of things. Conversely, what scares you the most about the Eagles? Well, uh, to be honest, just about everything. I mean, they are just such a well-rounded football team. I mean, it's pretty hard to pick out a weakness. I mean, I know that their their, uh, defense against the run is something that, you know, maybe wasn't up to the level that they put up in pretty much every other category. But to be honest, if you've seen the Chiefs in these two playoff games, I mean, they haven't run the football very well at all. Um, And you know what? They've got an incredible depth on offense. I mean, that A.J. Brown trade is still, um, you scratch your head and think, what the heck were the Titans thinking when they gave that guy away? Um, They've got a number of guys out of the backfield that can play. Devonta Smith is a game-breaker. And I know there'll be a ton of talk about Travis Kelsey, and justifiably so, but now that Dallas Goddard is back at that tight end position, I mean, it gives Jalen Hurts so many weapons to distribute the football. And that has been a big reason why they haven't had to lean on one guy in particular. They've just been able to do their thing. And what that thing has been is rolling over just about everyone that's been in their way the entire season when Jalen Hurts has been behind center. Is it possible to put aside your fandom to make a, a reasoned prediction on what will happen? Or is or is that too tough? Because you have such a big horse in this race. Yeah, you know what I mean? Listen, I'd be the first one to admit. I mean, it's the same thing, you know, when you're talking about teams that you're very close to, that you're emotionally invested in. I mean, I'd love to say I I was given the script at the start of the year, Christian, but uh, uh, you just, you make the one that you think you can have it. I mean, this game could go either way. This is why it's such a great matchup and why the point spread is so close and why we could get close to a pick at game time. I mean, you can sit there and make a confident, argument why both teams can win um and i think that's why we haven't seen a whole lot of movement on this line i mean patrick mahomes to me gets the benefit of the doubt because what he's done throughout his career in every big situation that he's ever been in and i mean even when you think back to the super bowl against the against the buccaneers that they lost in mahomes was incredible in that game it was the rest of the squad that you know really let him down um, so, I mean, to me, I think this is going to be a really close game in close games in the biggest stage, the biggest players are the difference makers. And that's why I'll give the chiefs a slight nod. But I mean, if it ended up in a close game, the other way, it wouldn't surprise me. One thing I don't expect is either team to run away with it. So it, we know a lot about the, the big players on the chiefs, whether it be Mahomes or, or Kelsey or, well, those are the, the top two now that Hill's gone, but who are you looking for as a possible dark horse to be a huge impact player on Sunday? You know what? One guy that comes to mind right off the bat is Jarek McKinnon. And McKinnon wasn't a big part of the backfield in the first half of the season. Clyde Edwards Hilaire was there, who actually is activated and back. Maybe he'll come uh, from out of the witness protection program and have some sort of an impact. But I really do think McKinnon will be the guy for a couple of reasons. First of all, he's an incredible, versatile player, can run the football, and was devastating on screen passes uh, in the second half of the year, basically getting into the end zone pretty much on a weekly basis. But the thing I think that he brings to the table, what you might not see them talk a lot about on television, but will be incredibly important, 
is the fact that he is clearly the most reliable and best pass blocker in that Chiefs backfield. And listen, if the Chiefs are going to win, Patrick Mahomes is going to need to have some time to throw the football. So it'll be leaning on that offensive line. And I think McKinnon, while we'll see him get some touches, might have the biggest plays in the backfield getting in the way of some of those uh, some of the pressure from Philadelphia and giving Mahomes that extra half second to make a big play. I'll put you on the spot here before I let you go. I know people can go to the lock shop and your your show as well, but give us one bet you're looking at for Sunday, just one. Well, uh, listen, I mean, I'm going to lean on Mahomes for the MVP at plus 125. I have a hard time imagining the Chiefs winning and him not getting the MVP. Um, I do like a Chris Jones sack at minus 110. And here's an interesting one. I mean, there's all sorts of really fun markets. You can get into some of the wacky cross-sport props and the Gatorade and the, uh, and the Anthem. But I do like Marquez Valdez-Scantling to have the longest reception in the game at 12 to one. Now the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, are a team that probably has more big plays. In order in the past, when you think about the chiefs, it was 50 yard bombs to Tyreek Hill, the most explosive offense. I'm not sure that that's going to be the plan for the chiefs. Ron Rivera said it best. And the commanders were the one team that beat the Eagles with Jalen hurts in the regular season. How did they do that? They ran the football and they kept the football with long, sustained drives. So I think that is going to be the bread and butter for the Chiefs if they want to go by Andy Reid's plan. But I do think they'll have one or two in the chamber for a big play. And we saw MVS with the way he stepped up big time with all those injuries in the AFC Championship game. I think Mahomes has the confidence in him. He might not get as many looks, but when he does, I think there'll be a big play there, and I love the value at MBS for the longest reception in the Super Bowl at uh, plus 1,200. And finally, if the Vikings ever make the Super Bowl, I think I'm going to want to watch it alone, no one else around, because I, I just need to be alone for that. This is now three times in, in a matter of five years for you. What's your routine on Super Bowl Sunday? Does it change because your team's in it? Well, it, it, it yes. Uh, yes, definitely. I mean, if your team is not in it, you don't have as much skin in the game. You're having a little bit of fun, making some prop bets and getting together with friends. Um, I had gone to the same bar when the Chiefs won it in 2019 and then lost it in uh, against the Buccaneers. So I'm changing it up this year. I got a bunch of friends going to Vegas for the weekend. So I'm going to jump on a plane early tomorrow morning, celebrate a birthday out there and, uh, get together with a bunch of fellas and I'm um, looking at a couple of uh, larger venues with a whole bunch of NFL fans to watch the game and uh, sweat it out with a bunch of people and maybe the next best place to be other than in Glendale at the stadium watching the game in person. Well, Hustler, appreciate your time tonight. As always, have a blast and good luck. I will be cheering for the Chiefs this weekend. <laughs> oh, thanks, Christian. I appreciate it. Always love coming on with you. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Of course, that is when the Jets are not playing because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that they should come to this Try to warn you over the day. You may not share our intellect, which might explain your